welcome to the I Am Winter Solstice Symposium. So first thing I want to say about 2021 is it is kind of, to me, uh, because it's replicating uh, a pattern that has to do with two planets, Saturn and, um, and Uranus, and they don't necessarily get along at all. Uh, technically, and even in mythology, um, it's one of those stories of father and son discord. Um, when they're working together in the sky, they're, they're rather collaborative in creating chaotic change. Uh, and not particularly bad change, just simply chaotic or radical upheaval and differences of <laughs> opinion between Uranus and his son uh, Saturn. And so part of the Uranus-Saturn story to me, if I look at the mythology of it, has to do with what I would call irreconcilable differences. And that irreconcilable difference between those two planets in 2021 is going to be really, really highlighted, guys. It's going to be right in our face. And why is that? It's because Saturn will square the planet Uranus uh, three times in 2021. And to understand what impact that's going to have on all of us, uh, we need to know the nature of Saturn, the nature of Uranus, and also the historical relationship between the two of them in our own astrology timelines of looking back and seeing how have they interacted before in the sky. So let's go first of all talk about quickly Jupiter and uh, maybe Jupiter, Saturn and quickly Uranus and then we'll move into the history of those two. Now there's a lot going on in 2021 just to say and I will touch base at the very end on a really fun uh, Jupiter event that's happening in January on, this, on the um, 17th that we can all uh, look forward to this year happened last time in 2013-14 so but let's get to the harder course stuff so let's talk about Jupiter's nature Jup hang on a sec <laughs> oh my god life okay I'm going to talk about Jupiter and Saturn I'm going to do Jupiter Saturn Uranus let's get back to the story let's talk about the good news then we'll talk about the challenging news <laughs> I really like the January 17th it's very special it was like 2013-14 when on those dates back then, way back when, when um, Jupiter and Uranus had a conversation in the sky. And we haven't had that now for, you know, since then, 2014. And it is a real great opportunity, that conversation between Jupiter and Uranus on January 17th, for each of you who are listening today, to consider that you could have some kind of changing of your direction, your fortunes, a massive breakthrough, um, a huge amount of something expansive and inspirational occurring that could take you in a new direction in life. And, you know, uh, Jupiter likes to blow things up. He's a big gas giant. He's quite expansive and he's exuberant and he's full of optimism. And then Uranus, you know, that's his granddad. They don't particularly even have a serious relationship in mythology. And uh, he doesn't like his dad, so he probably sides with his granddad. My experience in my own life going back and tracking my Uranus-Jupiter turning points, so they have been quite massive. Um, the Ju Jupiter um, square Uranus on January 17th of this year replicated back in 2013 and 14. We had two passes of it because um, we had a retrograde back then. And that was a real change in my direction. I went online and started blogging and being an editor at two online magazines. And my whole life went from no no knowledge whatsoever of the online world even just other than having my Facebook account and being really really busy in social media as a writer as a blogger as an editor and it timed out with that Jupiter um, Uranus square back in 2013 and 14 so I want you to all think of what ways your life on January 17 might kind of go big and um, you know kind of take a whole new turn and think about it as uh, 
an opening or an opportunity and it can be really exciting and it can be really full of hope and yet at the same time unexpected because with Uranus nothing happens as you plan right nothing goes the way you think it will and my feeling is is that if you try to plan what you're going to get out of this Uranus Jupiter thing you're just going to go askew so you have to trust that whatever happens is exactly what is meant to happen don't like go oh I don't don't like this so if something seems calamitous and if something doesn't seem like you really want it don't worry about it you know because um, it, it will work out in the end. And the other thing I'd say about the Jupiter-Uranus thing um, is that it doesn't necessarily happen on January 17th that all your life cha direction changes. Certainly look a week or two before and a week or two after for the influence of that transit to happen. And if you know where those two fall in your natal chart, that's also helpful um, to see where they're angling each other from in the story as they begin to affect an expansive opportunity for change. Only one cautionary note, Jupiter and Uranus together can be um, difficult sometimes. Like Jupiter-Uranus uh, square, is, I think it's a square in the chart of Charles Manson, the no, is it Charles Manson? No, Jim Jones, the Kool-Aid guy, and Sharon Tate, who was a follower of Charles Manson. So cult-like, radical, crazy, far-out guru, say, a Jupiter, guru, teacher, um, guide, Uranus, uh, way the frick out there. <laughs> you know, let's all drink the Kool-Aid. So in your own life, please be careful that you don't fall into that little storyline where you end up with some kind of strange, radical, crazy teacher or leader that you follow. Okay, so enough said. That's the good news. So uh, when Jupiter gets together with his granddad uh, and they square each other, which it's a tension angle, but nonetheless it brings uh, output, action, uh, developments. Uh, squares are the nature of Mars, and so you can expect real-life stuff to have momentum and unfold from any square that you experience in your natal chart. Uh, natally, of course, but also by transit. Okay, so going on. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's so funny. I'm so used to doing Zoom, guys, that when you're on a Facebook Live, you feel like you're talking to yourself. You know what I mean? It's like I'm used to a Zoom room these days, and this feels so weird. Um, so, okay. Uh, let's talk about the uh, irreconcilable differences between uh, Saturn and Uranus and how the two of them just don't seem to meet uh, eye to eye on many things. Um, Saturn is kind of like the lover of the space-time continuum, you know, the the creator of the boundary between the real and the unreal, the holder of the fort, the creator of walls, um, the guy that likes form structure and status quo, like the way it is. You know, if you build it, if you build it, you want to want to destroy it. You want to keep it. It's fine the way it is, right? Like, let's not mess with it. And then Uranus is like, well, you know, I mean, he got deposed by his son Saturn. She's not particularly crazy about him in, in the mythology, but um, he was this great sky god. He was like the whole shebang, man. He's, and you, he's associated with things that have to do with air and movement and electricity and currents and skies. And, you know, I see he's really a god of technology. Um, and he likes change. Like, like change is his drug, you know. Let's change it up. Um, think about air, it's moving all the time. You know, it, it's very rare that there's not some kind of sky movement. The clouds move. If you look at the sky, the planets move. And so Uranus is like a mover, dude. And then Saturn's got his goatee heels, like a Capricorn energy, if you take that version of him, stuck into the soil and wants to defend his turf. So when they come together in any kind of contact, in this case a square, there's a, not an a, a easy way for them to communicate. There's going to be some upsets. So let's go back throughout history and look at some of those upsets that are going to return this year, February, June, and December. Those are the three times 
February 17th, June the 14th, and December the 24th. Those are the three times that Jupiter, coming from Aquarius, will square Saturn in Taurus. And Saturn in Taurus, since 2019, is not in a comfortable place to begin with. I mean, Taurus is not a great spot for a god of change. That's a very earthy, um, stable sign. <laughs> so think about maybe earthquakes if you put Saturn in Taurus. And currency and money earthquakes as well, because Taurus can rule currencies and banking. Okay, so let's go back in the story for a minute before we talk about the year ahead. You know, way, way back in the Great Depression, there was a, a trigger for that, was the stock market collapsing in 1929 and in 1930. And maybe um, it was more difficult then because Pluto got involved in the story uh, as well. So Pluto was making a hard angle as well to uh, the storyline. But nonetheless, it still is a, a Jupiter square Saturn back then. So there was a Jupiter square Saturn in November of 2000. The orb of influence opened up in November of 1929. And then throughout 1930, there were, there, there were repeated squares of uh, Saturn and, did I say Jupiter? I'm sorry, Saturn and Uranus. Excuse me, guys, from the dog and the kids. Saturn and Uranus. Saturn and Uranus, Saturn and Uranus, Saturn and Uranus. And those Saturn Uranus, Saturn and Uranus things back in 1929-30 created the big stock market collapse and then the, the onset of a Great Depression. Coupled at that time with Pluto's involvement, which we don't have in the same way this time. Uh, Pluto is involved, but more, a little more behind the scenes and a little bit more peripherally from Capricorn. So we don't have the same intensity, but we still have a possibly a similar narrative. And let's bring this up to more contemporary time frames and take a peek at that. Um, I think we all can remember the, um, or I can remember the old ex irrational exuberance story where the stock tech bubble was peaking and there was all this excitement back in the year 2000 and um, the tech industry was just taking off. And it was interesting because Saturn Uranus at that time was in Aquarius, so that's like a perfect place for technology. Aquarius is like all about that cutting edge invention stuff, and, 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 and Uranus is also about that. So Uranus was in Aquarius squaring Saturn and Taurus back in May of 2000, and that was the beginning of the tech, bu tech bubble that burst. And, you know, that tech bubble bursting, I mean, anyone could have seen it coming. I, I, I pulled my money out of the stock market before it happened. <laughs> but uh, it was literally a rational exuberance. There was this, like, inflation that made no sense in what was going on in the stock market. And I do think that that is something we're going to be looking at this year when uh, Saturn and Uranus are doubling up uh, the energy three times or tripling it up is that this current stock market can't prevail. It's built on um, nothing. It's built on money being printed by the Federal Reserve to quantitatively ease a uh, pandemic uh, economic downturn. And yet that money printing will cause problems. And so, and the stock market is literally floating on irrational exuberance again. So we, I'm really predicting that 2021, we will see a very large, maybe even a 78 year cycle type correction in the markets, meaning that I'm not gonna say for sure, and don't, I'm not your financial advisor, but I think that equity markets may drop uh, as far as 70 to 80%, which is shocking, but that is the kind of correction that we're due for in the larger rhythmic cycles that people like Merriman Analytics, these are astrologers who track um, the stock markets and stuff, are, are sort of suggesting could happen. Okay, so 
there's so we have precedent there for stock market turbulence and economic turbulence as well. Um, and you know there was uh, the 2008 uh, subprime loan uh, savings and loan scandal. And I'm, I'm really referencing the U.S. because I live in Canada and I lived in the United States, so I'm not going to talk about the world. I'm just going to talk about my knowledge of what I know. Um, so in 2008, the um, opposition was in action between Saturn and Uranus. It doesn't matter if it's an opposing or a square. They're hard angles and they're difficult conversations between that duo uh, of irreconcilable differences. And um, when that happened in 2008, the, uh, there was a 10% unemployment rate that followed, as well as so many market uh, houses for sale, market uh, on the market foreclosures, a massive drop in the United States dollar, etc. that all spun out of that um, journey of Uranus with his um, son Saturn, opposing each other in 2008 and 2009. And here we come to today, and we're looking at this year with a similar problem ahead. What is it going to look like when these two duke it out together? And I kind of also feel like with uh, the Taurus element, this, this element of Uranus sitting in a sign where it's not his most happy spot, like he's a sky god and he's in an earth sign. I mean, it's like someone brought him down to earth, but he still wants to rebel. And that's the key word, right? Uh, another word for the Iranian impulse is to rebel and to have a revolution and to seek freedom. And yet there's constraint of being earthbound and not a sky god, literally uh, sitting in a very um, stable and fixed sign. So I kind of get the idea here that what we're going to see is uh, what can Uranus disrupt that's earthy besides earthquakes, which we're probably going to see a lot of, if not one massive earthquake in 2021 that shocks the world. I'll predict that. Um, um, the trigger for that will probably be Mars, Mars transiting through the heavens. Uh, Mars is going to go around the, you know, the zodiac and he's going to end up acting like a trigger point uh, as he journeys around and he's going to come into squares and oppositions to that Saturn. And my feeling is that could literally flare up one of those journeys around the zodiac for Mars. Um, it could really turn into a, a very likely um, earthquake event. Let me see if I have the Mars chart anywhere. Uh, did I write my Mars chart down at all? Doo, doo, doo. Yes, January 13th, Mars will square Saturn. November 10th, Mars will square Saturn. Okay, so there's two squares there. And in the middle of it all, July 1st, uh, Mars will oppose Saturn. So one of those, I don't think it's January. I, I would more be prone to thinking of it more oppositional energy like July, that what could occur, but I'm not promising it, is that, well, Mars is going through Leo and he opposes Saturn in Aquarius. There's a, a possibility this summer of some specifically large, rather shocking, uh, once in a hundred year type event, earthquake. I just feel that intuitively, so I'll say it. Um, in general, though, um, I think where the disruption is going to happen, where we can see uh, the most change is in the currency markets and the way we use money. Um, I, I think agriculturally as well, things are going to change, but not before there's a lot of hardship. I think Saturn, god of austerity and um, stoicism, uh, squaring uh, the whole sign basically of Taurus where we have things growing is going to mean that we're likely to see the beginning of uh, food chain shortages in 2021. Sorry to be so cheerful. 
<laughs> but I think we're going to see the beginning of, in our lifetime, we've never seen like a, a Great Depression with soup, soup kitchens and big lines for the general people. And I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be that bad because people are printing money to fix it, but the government's... But nonetheless, I do think that there is very strong, strong possibility, maybe just because of pandemic disruption, of temporary sh food shortages it, because of the supply chain disruptions, the farming disruptions. So that's short term 2021. I don't think that's necessarily the decade ahead. Um, if that is shocking to anybody, uh, then I'm sorry because I don't want to upset anyone. Um, <laughs> but I just want to let you guys know that that's how I think it might play out. Uh, the other thing is money. Okay, so I don't think the money system is going to be uh, continuing to be what it is. We already know paper money's kind of disappeared. In a pandemic, did anybody do what I did? Like, so like I'm worried about the panhandlers, right? I would just go to the bank and get money out for panhandlers so that I have something to give them because I don't use cash at all because people touch the dumb stuff, right? You can't really wash your hands constantly, get cracked dry hands <laughs> so i just use my credit card but now i think where we're all heading is is an edible garden yeah i agree erica i think where we're all heading is we're heading into a time where we're going to look at money as a um virtual thing like it's beyond the whole apple wallet thing on your phone i think this is where the blockchain technology uh which is a uranian thing in the sign of, of a t currency oriented taurus is going to bring us all in the next decade into a serious use of that blockchain and a movement away from traditional banking structures because you know we no longer have to centralize the banking we no longer have to be under the auspices of a bank we could actually have a blockchain currency and i think that is coming into play um, already and unless the government tries to clamp down and that's where saturn and uranus will deke it out saturn will represent the authority and the government systems not wanting to let go because the banking systems are part of the governmental um, you know, rulership systems as well. And you end up with this kind of tension between Saturn, who'd like to keep the banking system intact, even though he's an Aquarius and he's open to innovation and invention. It's a little bit like Facebook wanting to buy up everybody, including Instagram. Um, the governments want to keep their, and the banking system and the governments will want to keep their hands in the, in the storyline and crypto can move away from them completely. So how will Uranus and Saturn figure that out? So it's probably going to be, an attempt to legislate rules around the use of crypto and include somehow a derivative way that banks get involved, but I just don't know how. So there's that tension all through 2021 to the point where I think that you could even see some kind of serious um, governmental interventions attempted in 21 to short circuit the uh, way cryptocurrency will is seemingly becoming uh, more powerful. Um, and I also would say when it comes to this pandemic, which we can't ignore, that the movement of Saturn and Jupiter into Aquarius is kind of spooky. You know, uh, I, I remember hearing, I think Austin Kopak or somebody else mentioned one time, what if it means fear of air? And then I heard another epidemiologist saying, you know, the air we share is the problem folks. And uh, Aquarius is an air sign and Saturn is fear and Jupiter is, you know, everything gassy and expanding. Um, and I don't know that 2021 is going to be a, a year in which we all just sort of sigh a relief, throw the masks off and get on with our re regular life. I just don't see it. And I think that certainly for 2021, we might be still having a fear of the air. We breathe. <laughs> Very literal, right? That, that Saturn god of fear and anxiety in the sign of air 
making us afraid of the air. Now, um, Jupiter has to do Saturn's bidding. So, yeah, he's a powerful planet, but he's in Saturn's sign. Saturn's at home in his kingdom of, of Aquarius. Jupiter's with him, but Jupiter got there after Saturn. Saturn's the lord of the home of, the, of Aquarius. So Jupiter will do his best to be useful and helpful, but to who? Saturn. So uh, Saturn will say we need some serious rules around safety for breathing the air we breathe. Um, yeah, we need a better relationship with the wind spirits for sure, Renee. Yes, because it is, it, is, it is literally air that people are afraid of, and wind and air are the same thing. The spirits that move through air is wind. So I kind of think with that uh, story too, onto the um, pandemic for a second in context of also another development, which is the conjunction of kings. So Saturn and Jupiter, Jupiter, finally get back to Jupiter. <laughs> My brain is offline. Uh, coming together in the sky uh, are a kind of a, a, mon, a, a hallmark of a sea change or a, a new beginning that happens every 19 and a half years. And so we're in that now. It just started on the solstice on December 21st. And we haven't had a good old air conjunction of kings for um, about 600 years. It was between 1200 and 1400 um, AD that Jupiter and Saturn were combining in the air signs on a regular 20-year cycle. And even though in 1980, there was a, in December of 1980, there was a dip into Libra. Uh, we haven't had a complete, you know, beginning of the whole air cycle until now. So that's the end of the Earth cycle, guys. What is the Earth cycle? It's the down-to-earth uh, monetary systems, the industrial revolution, the consumerism, the capitalism, the uh, incredible agricultural revolution that we've seen happen uh, in the last 200 years where we have mass farming, etc. That, that whole Earth 200-year cycle is closing out this year for good, although we tiptoed out of it in the Libra zone of 19, uh, basically to say 1980 to 2000. Um, then we tiptoed into Taurus. Conjunction of Kings was in Taurus. And if you know your charts, anyone who's here, this is also very fun to do. You know, the Conjunction of Kings, or I call it that, Saturn, Jupiter, and Taurus, uh, way back in uh, 2000, May of 2000, that instigated for me a 20-year cycle of living in a, a foreign country. And it's in my ninth house, right? Uh, so you know, Libra's my ninth house. And it rules foreign lands. And I ended up moving to the United States. And so for some of you, you can look at this sort of cycle and ask yourself, well, if 1980 to 2000 was a 20-year cycle of my um, Libra house activating whole sign houses, please, <laughs> and uh, then 2000 to 2020 was where Jupiter and um, Saturn came together and initiated my Libra house, I mean, I mean my Taurus house, you can see what kind of stories unfolded in your life during those two decades. And so this is the Aquarian house in your chart. If you know where you're, you change your career completely. Cool, Kaz. If you know where your Aquarian um, house is, you know, one of 12 pie slices in your chart using the whole sign house system, you'll be able to tell yourself a story about how this uh, next 20 years is going to be a preoccupation with this, the meaning of that house. So um, the Taurus one for me is um, that we just had the 20 years that, oh, yeah, the 20 year Taurus one is my fourth house and I was all about real estate, guys. I bought and sold, bought and sold, bought and sold. I mean, fourth house can be real estate and I, and I moved my home and stuff like that. So Aquarius is going to be a time 
uh, for each of us that has a new meaning for the collective as I said it can be something as simple as fear of air but it can also be a whole new era of technology that Saturn wants to make very useful and practical because you know Uranus rules uh, modern ruler Uranus is a modern ruler of Aquarius and he's still the god of tech uh, and high tech and cutting edge and invention and all the things that are new and gadgety and that take us beyond our own self um, in esoteric astrology, he rules the pineal gland. So we're going to get a lot more psychic as well because now Saturn and Jupiter are fertilizing or fortifying or making something happen in that place that um, Uranus owns in his home, home sign. And I kind of feel as well that that brings a, a positive energy to the story because, you know, I think the refreshing energy is that in this era we live in, the outer planets have been discovered. And so we're available to receive whatever the transpersonal giants like Uranus, Pluto and Jupiter and Neptune have to give us. And I think the highest call of Uranus is to get out of our, our, our little, little limited sense of self and reach out past that into the through the pineal gland, through the third eye, through your inner sight, through your inner knowing into greater realms and vistas of what is true and what is possible. So, you know, the tower card with that lightning bolt that strikes, you know, reminds me very much of Uranian energy, even though Zeus through thunderbolts. So Uranus has like almost static electricity to me firing off of him and uh, we can have great bolts of insight with him so I think there's going to be great bolts of new developments very sudden very dramatic very exciting with that combination of Jupiter uh, giving expansion opportunity possibility and Saturn giving restraint um, can do practical down-to-earth make it real assistance my thing I say to clients is you know Jupiter wants to go to the moon and he's all excited and he's like going to get there on a trampoline which is so unrealistic and then Saturn comes along and says dude I'll build you a rocket you know so that combination is what we're all looking at for the collective in Aquarius and yes we still may have fear of air <laughs> we may still have fear of air but we won't have fear of air forever uh, that's for sure um, at one point this thing will will die down even if it just does it like a natural thing you know herd immunity and all of that stuff um, so I feel like the other thing I want to mention is more proximate and less well let me just say one more thing about Saturn and Jupiter I've been studying a lot of the uh, Vedic astrology lately and learning more sidereal astrology and one of the things that I'm really intrigued by and this may ex excite some of us here is that the Jupiter um, Saturn conjunction is actually in Capricorn right now in the sidereal zodiac which means the real heavens that we see in the sky and so if you looked into the sky those two are together in Capricorn constellation not in behind them not in Aquarius and the last time the Jupiter Saturn combination happened in Capricorn in both tropical and um, tropical uh, astrology system and sidereal was in the 1960s 1960 61 and what's interesting about that if you guys can remember that besides the fact that it was really a scary time with the Bay of Pigs and you know and all that tension with Cuba remember that so we might have some geopolitical tension I like to look back at the uh, the sidereal now and then because I think it's useful and say well what other things happened in the uh, early 1960s and don't forget the conjunction of Kings is 6061 um, in Capricorn sidereal and tropical back then and it's it's in Capricorn right now sidereal so I want to say what did it ha what happened last time it was sidereally in uh, 1960 um, in that sign of uh, Capricorn and it was hippies 
flower power, revolution, um, demonstrations, hate Ashbury, the whole of the 1960s, the first decade of that conjunction was about revolution and rebellion and uh, breaking away from the establishment. And I kind of feel we're going back to hopefully a healthy version of breaking away from the establishment and changing the rules of the game. And that was a, almost like a failed attempt, you know? All those baby boomers now look back and all, we're all the hope, love and power and flower power and peace and, you know, all of that just kind of didn't happen the way it was supposed to. It all kind of fell into the mainstream culture and, and didn't really become anything. So, okay, hang on. Are you guys leaving the house? No, just Oh, okay. So anyway, <laughs> I'm going to say one last thing and then I'm going to take questions. Um, the, um, I'm really concerned about the USA Inauguration Day uh, tower-like event, which is going to be the um, combination of Mars co-joined with Uranus in the heavens. That is like a tinderbox. That's like an explosion, an eruption. It can be like a bomb. It can be like, bless the world, I hope not, somewhere in the world, an assassination attempt. But I do want to say that, you know, it's not just that this is happening every two years. No big deal. It's happening on Inauguration Day when those two co-join in the sky. And it's also after Mars has been super powered, like Popeye the Sailor Man, super muscles on his arms because he just spent six months in his home sign of Aries. And it's like a soldier was on the battlefield going around the Zodiac. He had a brief respite in Capricorn and, and Scorpio, his VIP home Capricorn and Scorpio, one other, his getaway home in the country. But now he's back to his main mansion in Aries. He was from Jan June 27th until January 6th. He's getting ready to leave. And all that time, he was getting strong, right? He was eating his uh, Vitamix smoothie thingies and his George Foreman grill and working out and resting and repairing his wounds from any of his scraps he's had before. <laughs> and so he's really strong. And then he slides into Libra on the 6th of January. He's not in great strength there, that's for sure. Um, he has to listen to Venus. But... Nonetheless, he's on his way to meet with Uranus, the sky god. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen on Inauguration Day? Anyone have any thoughts about it? <laughs> I see a bomb or something huge too. Yeah, Louise, I'm worried about it. Um, we got like a super strong... The only saving grace, Louise, is that Venus will be in Capricorn trining Mars, right? Uh, by that time, and maybe like a whole sign trine, maybe not an exact trine. But So Venus is trying to sweeten the deal or bring some goodness or bonify the situation. Uh, and she's the lord of the mansion in which he's uh, operating. So there's going to be an attempt to mitigate, but holy man, um, I am a little concerned about that inauguration day. Um, one last thing, too. I, I always always forget this story, but, you know, we don't ever think about this as modern astrologers because we're, we're so preoccupied with the, the graph in front of us instead of the sky above us. And I study a lot of Babylonian astrology now. I'm into that as well. And there's a strong focus on whether the planet is visible or invisible, whether it's within the beams of the sun or not. And so for all of us, even though we're so excited by, yay, Jupiter, Saturn, Jupiter, Saturn, um, you know, conjunct in Aquarius, the beginning of a new era, those two planets are going to be under the beams of the sun from about January 6th until uh, Jupiter getting out of the way, maybe the third week of February, Saturn maybe in the middle of February. So this kind of means that the, none of the goodness that we expect from this new conjunction really will happen in our individual lives or for the collective until after like mid to late February when they have the sun is not so close to them the sun has moved past them, okay, um, and, and, and relieves them of the, the light of the sun, which has 
the capacity to make them invisible to our eyes. And if those planets are invisible to our eyes, they have no power to affect our everyday reality in a way that's visible to the world. So some of the promise of the hope and the new beginnings and the expansion and the technological goodness that could happen with those two in Aquarius and then formation of new and exciting communities and some strictures and rules that Saturn wants to put in there maybe to make harmonious things happen with regards to communities, Aquarius stuff. None of the real uh, show and tell is going to happen until the, near the end of February when they're out of the beams of the sun. So just a reminder of that for those of us who think that the sky is a piece of paper or electronic graph in front of us. It's a big living thing in front, up above us. Oh, and Renee says my specials. Yeah, you know what? I will put a link to the this below. If you're intrigued by the Jupiter-Saturn reset, I have a pre-recorded half-hour reading for $75 that I do for you. I've done 40 of them so far, which has been a lot of fun. I could go, go ahead and add another batch of those. And it's me looking at Jupiter and Saturn in your chart and talking about how those two are going to navigate uh, change for the next 20 years in your life, and particularly looking at the derived houses and also the uh, aspects they make in your chart. Um, so that's only $75, and it's half hour pre-recorded, and I send it to you uh, within like um, usually 48 hours to 72 hours of you ordering it and setting the... Uh, day for the order. You'll see when you order it. I'll put the link for that below. Um, the other thing is I have an eclipse reading that's still ongoing for understanding how these eclipses in 2021, there's four of them, are going to impact your life and including the two behind us um, on November 30th and we also had an eclipse on December 14th. So there's like a six eclipses that create one narrative that I, I talk about in that reading. And eclipses come by your chart every 20 years or so, 18 and a half, 20 years, to change an area of your life and, uh, and reorient you. And so just for you listening, if you catch the wave of this, if you go back to just after 9-11, to October of 2001, and at about 18 months, that's the last time the eclipse cycle was doing to you what it's going to be doing to you again, okay? So you can always go back to that time and try to p place this time in the context of what was happening back then in your life. And it'll be similar, but not the same. Okay, uh, any questions? Is your Saturn return, Laura? Cool. <laughs> Yay. Uh, my Saturn return as well, Laura. It's daunting to believe I'm heading into 60. All right. Uh, anyone have any questions about anything I covered or anything uh, that confused you? Or do you have a personal question? I'm not going to pull up your chart, but if you told me something general like your rising sign, I can give you something general as a response. It feels like a repeat, Kaz. Yeah, I, me too. I'm, I'm changing. My eclipse cycle is really... It's a uh, doubling down on an encore performance of the same themes again. Mm -hmm. I wrote a, a, like a, a, a no, not a novel, but a feature length uh, manuscript back then. And I started writing another one again. Uh, I'm like, oh, here I go again. It's, uh, it's happening in my fifth house. Um, the, the propulsion of energy is the north node in my fifth in this eclipse cycle. So I'm being very creative and inspired. Pisces rising, Mary. Woo. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, so your conjunction of kings, uh, if you're looking at your conjunction of kings, is happening in your natal 12th house, right? So it's really interior for you, uh, you know, 12th house of a, your enlightenment potential and your dreams and your reveries and your breakthroughs, but also foreign lands, Mary. You might want to 
think about moving to a foreign land in ancient world, the ninth and twelfth are foreign lands. And as well, you know, revenue from foreign lands is very twelfth house, especially with PayPal and, and Stripe these days. Uh, it used to be like the barter and trade from foreign lands. Now we just do it with our online life. I, I hope it wasn't so bad, Mary, in 2002, but you know, it changes, right? We have planets like uh, Uranus and Taurus, which is different than it was back then. Uh, Neptune and Pisces, different than it was back then. Pluto and Cap. These outer planets uh, kind of put a matrix around the inner planets and, and give the, everything a different flavor. <clears throat> so Valerie, you're a Sag rising. Okay, that's, that's lovely. So, you know, then you're just going to propel yourself into that... Um, story of the um, uh, one, two, three, third house and see what is, you know, going to change with your relationships to your siblings or your relationships to your local community and friends or maybe even to uh, writing or self-expressing yourself, uh, a whole new lease on your self-expression. Um, I think the, the Caden house energy can be all about um, moving into being very busy when it comes to online stuff as well. John, you love the air. Oh, well, you probably have a lot of air signs in there. And you just think you're only a Taurus, and that's probably your sun sign too, which is, oh, well, in the ancient tradition, it doesn't necessarily uh, make uh, the big star, star status of sun sign astrology. You'd rather look at your moon if you're born at night, your sun in the day, and you're, certainly your rising sign is the most important. Oh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Linda and Anne, Amy, yeah, so anyway, yeah, so an Aquarian sun is January 30th, but your rising sign can be any one of the other 12 signs, so that's the exciting part of the story. Sun signs work, though, if you're born in the daytime, they, they are useful. Libra rising, eh, Pam? So yeah, just think about uh, the, the horoscope wheel, because I don't have one in front of me, so I'm using my brain. This is what uh, makes me laugh with astrologers, right? We know it so well, but we don't. Like, I have visual spatial issues, so... Uh, Aries is on your, uh, yeah, so Aries is on your seventh house, so Libra, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> this is me doing it in my mind, um, mm -hmm. Aries is in your tenth, yeah, okay, so, whatever, uh, yeah, I can't, my brain won't fire up where the Aquarius is, I get Louise Eddington to answer that right now, um, this is where I definitely need a chart in front of me if I'm going to actually look at people's risings. I was laughing, listening to Chris Brennan on the Astrology Podcast. This show is so amazing, guys. If you'd love to learn astrology on the fly, you learn a lot from just listening to Chris Brennan and his show. And I can't count the times he's sitting there and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's trying to do uh, chart calculations in his head and he's lost. <laughs> mm. So those of you who are bringing up their sun signs, I would say to you, just make sure that you go to astro.com for your own fun plunk your birth data in there, it's free, and find out your rising sign because it's way more effective in particularly in forecasting, you know, the, the story of what's going to happen in your life. It's more accurate in terms of just general stuff. Uh, you know, when I do rising sign astrology on my YouTube channel, I also say, yeah, look at your sun and moon, moon for the night babies, sun for the day babies, but um, it's, it's worth going on and finding out where your uh, rising is, all right? Um, okay, so I'm reminding everybody that you can check out my Jupiter Saturn reset reading that's pre-recorded again, and you can also check out my eclipse sale. I'll give those links to Renee or at the bottom of this video once it's posted afterwards, or I could even type it in the chat if I can figure out where my other links are. 
Maybe I'll just do that now since you're here. Uh, let's pull that up. In the meantime, any other questions about the content or any other psychics here? Any other seers who have a feeling or a thought about this whole story of uh, fear of air or crashing stock markets or cryptocurrencies or I don't know even the don't forget January 17th get ready for a change of fortunes expired expansion ex inspired expansion opportunity breakthrough etc I'm so excited I'm like on January 17th I'm so excited for that okay I'm just gonna pull up my sales sale for the uh, Saturn Jupiter half hour I'm really booked up you guys right now like if you try to book on my regular schedule I think I'm not free until sometime in mid-January or on um, but the Jupiter Saturn reset is literally uh, something that is done by me in my spare time and sent to you as a recording so it doesn't you don't have to wait for a few weeks to see me kind of thing let me grab it and put it in the in the thing here um no, 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 no. I have to go into my, it's not on my website, it was kind of shared privately, so, with uh, my YouTube people. Where did I put it? <clears throat> the reset. There it is. And, yeah, you can't find this one on my website, so. This is the half hour quickie on understanding the new sea change of the next 20 years in your life that I just stuck in there. I think I stuck it in there. Did I? There. <laughs> if you go to that website, the Lunatic Astrology I gave you, it's not my website, it's my cutie schedule. You'll see all my other stuff there, including the eclipse sale. So it, it, that link will take you, I think, to, to like the whole idea of my cutie scheduler. <laughs> um, The hippie movement, I hope it comes back to life. I, I, I feel nostalgic for my bell bottoms and my, I, I remember that. Thanks, Renee, I froze, that's weird. Am I still frozen? Am I still frozen? Or am I back? <laughs> okay, I'm not sure. Oh, I'm still good, okay. So anyway, um, Renee's going to share in the links as well. So that's great. Um, I just want to say uh, that it was really fun. I don't think anyone has any questions. And uh, thank you for putting up with the dog and the kids and the whole chaos that we are have going on here. <laughs> that's kind of funny, I have to say. Um, yeah. Does anyone have a last question? Because I think we can close out then. No questions, no questions. Okay. Um, and I'm good now. Hey, Rosalia. Hi, hi, hi. I just want to say, you know, you guys, you can look forward to a game-changing year where, in which you won't see yourself the same way at the end of it. Thank you to Jupiter and Saturn at the very least, changing a whole chunk of your life. I'm expecting for me, because I'm an Aquarius rising, the next 20 years are going to be pretty profound, which I want to say, if you are a fixed sign, um, like a Leo, you know, an Aquarius, a Taurus, or a Scorpio, um, the conjunction of kings moving into Aquarius means it's going to be a, a big deal for you. Okay, like this is going to hit all of those signs uh, by opposition or square and be particularly useful then for, you know, uh, making a big difference in your life in some fundamental way.
And I mean rising sign, if you're a Scorpio rising, Taurus rising, okay, etc., Leo rising. All right, guys, I'm going to close it up. Thank you for checking in and being here today. And uh, I'll tell you guys all. And uh, I will see you in back in Facebook land in the real world. Bye-bye.